Welcome to the Bluminati Podcast. USF football lost 49 to 10 on their home field to Memphis to be eliminated from bowl contention on Saturday. This program has a serious problem. I don't, if you go back and watch our film room, you can see, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there and some schematic things here and there and whatever. Um, you can't lose to 39 to Memphis at home because you have Florida athletes. You should have Florida athletes and you should have better football players especially in year three of a coach's tenure. This isn't good enough. And uh, a fluke game against Cincinnati, which, you know, will not be remembered by the annals of history in any way, shape or form, just isn't good enough. And I don't know what the university is going to do. All I hear from everybody internally at the university is how broke USF is, how much money is going towards the downtown medical facility right now, which is over budget. Um, and how things just, you know, there's just not enough money. There's not enough money. There's not enough money. So to the new president of the university, Stephen Curl, I say, find some money, move some things around, do whatever it takes, find a lead gift somewhere. This isn't good enough. This is a crisis. And it's not because of the people who are currently in the athletic department. Because I don't think I've ever seen a staff and an administration at this school that is more competent, more qualified, more hardworking, more dedicated, and loves this place more. This is an institutional problem. And it's an institutional problem that needs to be fixed right now. Because if that doesn't happen, you're about to lose the confidence of the slightly over five figures season ticket holders that you have. Renewals are going out here real soon. And if you run this program back in the same shambolic fashion that it ran this season in year three with a more difficult schedule next season, that ain't good enough. And it's put up or shut up time. And I understand that, you know, we have a new administration that has only been on the job for five months and change. This isn't good enough. So, yeah. Is this a crisis? Yeah, it is a crisis. This community needs to step up. The leadership of the university needs to step up. And those who care about USF athletics needs to step up. Or else we're going to be right back in the same damn hole that we are right now. The number one priority has to be the indoor practice facility. That is unquestionable. So if you don't change coaches, you better have a shovel in the ground real damn quick. So before you start throwing good money after bad, you need to fix what is happening right now because we got a problem and it is not a problem caused by those that are here currently but institutional history matters and those who are here now are accountable for the mistakes of those happened previously that's unfortunate that's unfair somebody needs to fix it right now and with that welcome to the bluminati podcast nathan <laughs> What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, buddy? What's up? Oh, God. Hey, guys. How are you? Um, I'm good. And nice. I think I hadn't been on the podcast in like three weeks, so it's nice to be back. Um, it's it's Thanksgiving week and nothing else. The Bluminati podcast is brought to you by Matrix Hormones from MatrixHormones.com, 813-333. 2226. Again, that's 813-333-2226. Um, 
they are there to help you help you uh, recapture your youth and get your hormone levels back to what they were when you were once a younger man and or woman. Um, whether it's your vitality, your day-to-day life, your sex drive, whatever it is, um, Matrix Hormones can help you regather the things that made you the person you once were. Again, that's Matrix Hormones, 813-333-2226, another USF-owned business that does great things in our community. Um, we can't be happier with our relationship with Eddie Leonard and Matrix Hormones and the things that they do every single um, day to support USF and the community that we all live in. Um, again, just wonderful things. So if you are feeling not like yourself, um, it's less expensive than you think and can get you back to the person you once thought you were, often covered by insurance as well. 813-333-2226, matrixhormones.com. All right, Nate, rise and fire. All right, guys. So uh, as Colin so eloquently put it at the opening, uh, USF lost in embarrassing fashion, 49-10. to 10. Um, the, the stands emptied at halftime. No one really came back. And uh, this, this program has an identity crisis. They've got a money crisis. And... Oh, boy, I don't think it gets better this week, if we're being honest. Um, this this team just looks like crap. I, I don't know if they're <laughs> I don't I don't know if they're going to uh, succeed. Um, I think Charlie's on his way out. Uh, we can get we'll we'll talk a little bit later about, you know, what happens if the unthinkable happens, but I think as it stands currently, Charlie Strong loses his game. Charlie Strong loses his job, uh, which is unfortunate. Again, super nice guy. Surprised he hasn't kicked my ass yet. Just that needs to be out there. Um, we need, we're we taking Charlie to – because he, he just bought a nice house in Tampa. As he's been published in multiple publications in the Tampa Bay area. So if Charlie's not over this, Nate, you and I, we're taking that guy to Burns, okay? We owe him a Burns dinner. We owe him – you know, a, a decent, honest conversation. And I think we should absolutely do that if he is no longer the head coach at South Florida. Um, you got Burns money because your boy does not have Burns money. If you park at my house, you can walk over there. It's like way easier. You know what I mean? We'll just, we'll save on that. We can like pregame over here, you know, like Charlie, come, Charlie, come on over have a couple of beverages. We'll walk over. Um, and is the parking uh, yeah, we, the expensive part of Burns? There... <laughs> yeah, you got a valet. <laughs> Lord is that Burns. the really tough you, part? Is the parking? Yeah, if you actually, if you valet the valet at Burns, people actually, this is no joke, and and Nathan, I think said knows this as well. Um, people actually come to my house to go to Burns, and they like park at my house, and they come over and they have a couple drinks, and then they walk over because it's actually that close. Because <laughs> you can save like twenty bucks doing it that way than you can the other way. Um, so yeah, I um, I look. I don't think Charlie had any malintent here. Um, I think he's a good person. I think he's a good man. And I think he's tried to do right by his student athletes. Some of the things that um, Nate and I haven't been able to discuss about specific individual student athletes and their situations, those have been very, very protected by Charlie Strong. He has done gone out of his way to do the right thing by the kids, even when the kids make mistakes, even when the kids do things that aren't in in the best interest of the university or themselves. Um Charlie's gone out of his way to try and do the right thing. And I, I don't have any problems, quarrels, or complaints um, with that personally. I wish he had done more things to get involved in the community. 
I wish he had won more football games. I wish he had done a better job as a fundraiser. Sure, these are all things that, but I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's a bad man. Um, and I, you know, I really wanted him to succeed here because I think, you know, we were all the ones with the socks and the sandals trying to get him to come here on Twitter three years ago. So, like, we're still in that same boat, and I really wish he would had been more successful, but we are where we are. We're not going to a bowl game this year. It's year three. If you watched our film room, which we just videoed um, and will be up shortly, um, we're not very good. We don't have enough talent in enough places. That's not good enough. This isn't good enough. This is not a good enough brand of football to be on the I-4 corridor, and it's unacceptable, and that's a problem. Do you guys want my hot... Uh, my hot take, my hot Charlie. Absolutely, buddy. I want your first hot take because you haven't really ever fired one out here. So give me your first hot take. And I think like, this, I think this will be considered a hot. I think this will be considered a hot take. It could be a tepid take, but I think it's a hot take. Uh, maybe not. U.S. I think USF's best chance at having a good season next year is to keep Charlie strong. So I'm hearing a lot of this, by the way. I'm not gonna. You're not the first one to say this. I've had multiple conversations I've had, this is no joke. I've had more conversations in the last 10 days with people who think we should keep Charlie strong than should fire him. Because what's the problem? You said it yourself, it's a talent issue. So I think he's the guy who got the talent here. I mean, isn't that on him? But you have a good recruiting class coming in. If he's gone, that's gone. You, if you, I think, I mean, you could make the case that he should have been fired, but it should have happened a month ago or longer. At this point, you, the biggest thing you need in this program is a talent influx through the transfer portal and through recruiting. If you fire him, you lose probably your recruiting class, depending on how much staff the next person would keep on, which I don't, they may, you know, typically they'd probably keep nobody. Um, so you lose your recruiting class, which is um, doing pretty, pretty well right now. And then you also would probably lose the opportunity to get in the transfer portal get in the transfer market with if guys are looking to get into looking to enroll for spring, you're going to miss out on those guys probably because you won't have a head coach. Yeah. But you'll be able to get guys that, you know, go to spring practice, you know, don't like where they are in their program and still be able to bring those people in. You're going to have tons of scholarships available. What do we only got 16 guys in this class right now, right? Six, uh, yeah. Uh, 16 guys currently. Um, they are the 58th ranked team according to, uh, 24-7 sports. Um, they're ahead of – they're fifth in the conference. They're ahead of ECU, Tulane, UCF. Hold on. Let's give some context, honey. Uh, they're fifth <laughs> They're fifth in the conference uh, ahead of ECU – or behind ECU, Tulane, UCF, and Cincinnati. Only Cincinnati has the same amount of commitments right now. Uh, ECU, I think, has like 22. Tulane has 19. Um UCF has 19, so there's still a, like there's still a lot of players, you know, being rated so they get more points. Is how 24/7 Sports does their recruiting rankings. Um, each player is assigned a point value that gets totaled into the total team value. But based on average rating, USF is fourth in the conference behind the obvious, uh, you know, Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston. Uh, trio and you know which means USF has a better recruiting class on average than UCF right now uh, they have a better recruiting class than Tulane ECU Navy which they'll always have um, 
just it's I think this offense the this recruiting class is shaping up to be one of the top offensive classes in recent history if everyone pans out. I know we're asking a lot for everyone to pan out, but six of the top nine 2020 commits are offensive players. You got a couple offensive linemen, a wide receiver, two quarterbacks. This is where you need it. You need you need offensive linemen. You, okay, I think buddy, there's three hold, offensive linemen. Okay, buddy, but hold on. As as you said on Twitter, this. Okay, hold on, sis. So the. <laughs> If you follow Nate on Twitter, you know where I'm going there. So, okay, you're not fixing the talent gap in one class, okay? So let's say you run a class. What? If you if you lose a class, the problem is you're you've lost you basically lost at least one or two of Taggart's last two classes. So you've already lost one class. Now you're going to lose a third. So you have a team that's lost three recruiting classes. Strip down the loans, man. That's no, not going to no, help. Bullshit. Uh, my, no. my take, you, you think that's going to help the talent gap by missing out on a third recruiting class? That's yeah, but you know what? If you change one. your coach, you can go 2-10 and ten next year and nobody gives a shit. You can also just fire the coach next year after the – early in the season next year after you've started construction. Because USF has shown a propensity to fire coaches midseason in the history of the world ever in any sport besides Orlando Antigua, RIP. I mean, if they, if, uh, I, I think if I think if you run it back, you need the the biggest thing is the talent. You need to upgrade your talent. If this is a good recruiting class you have coming in, you need to hold on to that class because that is the biggest problem. We just watched the film room, and you got guys that can't separate. You got slot receivers that can't separate from linebackers. You've Fifth got in the guys. Fifth in the conference. How good can these kids be? If I mean, I understand that there's a numbers inequity issue and we only have 16 in other classes of 22 24 whatever i get that you got 16 kids you'll keep some of them okay if if the talent inequity if 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 charlie had the number one class in the conference coming in all right well you know if he's got all these commits and signing day is what december mid-december okay cool let's go with it but that's not where we are you know what i mean like (laughs) <laughs> There's, you're my, I guess my, my I guess you're the real fit. question how how quick can you how quick can you turn around a coach if you get rid of two strong? seasons? It's not be but here's the thing: if you blow I'm saying, it up, I'm saying how quick can you turn around and hire a coach? Uh, Twenty days. So you're going to miss the early signing period. Yeah, basically. you're going to miss the early window. You're going to hopefully get where some kids every, to which was basically where everyone signs now is the early Correct. signing period. The, so but here's gonna, the thing: <laughs> your class is going to be done. Okay, you're that's be, fine. You're going to you know be what? grabbing at one double A guys. No, no, no. You're going to be you're going to do what SMU did under Sunny Dykes. You're going to slam the portal hard. Okay. I mean, USF's already have... done that. I mean, you're you're to start the season. Your starting quarterback was a transfer. Your running back was a transfer. Your middle linebacker was a transfer. Your corner was a transfer. Two your defensive ends were transfers. I mean, he hit the he hit the transfer portal hard. You can only do so much, and you know, Sunny Dykes, I think. I don't think that's sustainable. And oh, I disagree. I think that's the new ah, way. Dude. I think that's the new model for the AAC. I think the model for the AAC is going to be kids that take their shot at the P5. Something doesn't work out, and especially for the Florida schools and the Texas schools. So Houston, SMU, USF, UCF. It's going to be kids that try and take their swing at the Big 12. You know, borderline kids, Minnesota, Iowa State kids. 
maybe a little couple of TCU kids that flame out, whatever. They're going to come back home. They're going to get back to where they need to be, and that's and they're going to play right away. I think that's the future of the American Conference. Now, you guys may disagree and think that's like a terrible way to build a class, um, and that's a totally valid opinion, by the way. I'm not like slamming you for it because I think that. I, but I think I, you have I, to use it to sub. You have to use it to supplement your classes. I think that's what SVU did. They realized that they needed to supplement what they had big time, and USF did that defensively. They supplemented uh, lack of recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. But I think there's five starters that are transfers, or are pretty close making to it. stud maybe, still maybe for uh, sales. Sales. Um, who else? There's, I thought there was one more. Slade got plenty of run. Uh, Faxon got some run. Yes, Slade. Yeah. Uh, so I guess really Blake, four, but possibly Blake four Green's technically a transfer. Yeah, so, I mean, and then I, I guess uh, if you think about it defensively, imagine where they'd be without those transfers. Oh, dear Lord. So it's going to be in some trouble. So I think you have to <laughs> stop you, that would be bad. <laughs> but you still have to... You still have to go out and sign guys that are going to be there for four years that, uh, you know, you can't just depend. You know, like SMU, they have a great tight end that transferred from Rice. It's not like he transferred from a, you know, big school. It's that how often are you going to get a guy like that? You know, so I, I think you I think you got to use it to supplement what you're already doing, and you can use it to really fill holes, which I think they've got to, whoever the coach is, has got to get in the portal for offensive linemen. Because maybe one freshman will pan out. Maybe maybe one. You know. Other, otherwise, you need to get in the portal for your depth uh, offensive line, regardless who the coach is. Because that's I think that's the biggest issue for next year. Okay. So this is two ways. To, this is two ways to skin a cat. I just look, man. Here's here's the thing. I I talk to more donors and more season ticket holders than probably anybody because. I, I've got relationships that go back a long time with this place and people call me and text me and email me when shit goes wrong. Just, just what it is. And okay. You have a real, real hard time sending out renewals and you're running Charlie back. I'm just sorry. Like let's, let's assume USF loses by 20 on like they cover cause it's 24 and a half right now. Let's assume they lose by 20 on Friday and they cover doesn't matter. Five and seven, or uh, four and eight, excuse me, four and eight. And you're going to have to send out renewals to all of those people and say, hey, go buy this product again. We're going to run it back. We're going to add a couple of new kids. We're going to add like these 16 freshmen. We're really high on this Rodemaker kid, blah, 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 blah. But that's what you're selling in year four against a more difficult schedule that's only going to get way worse in 21 and 22. So I, I just. That is a tough lift. And then you get to the Willie, the, the Willie mathematical formula. So like I was reading today, I'm, I'm like a game theory nerd. And there's this, there's this thing called the Monty Hall problem. And it's like, if you're, if you go on, let's make a deal. And they say, pick a door between number one and number three. And you pick number one, they're always going to show you number two or number three. And then like number three is always the zoink. And you didn't get that one. So should you pick number one or number two? And then they give you the Take chance the to switch other. room. Switch. Switch. Exactly. Switch. Always switch. Right. Money Hall dilemma. You should always switch. Okay. It's a game theory problem. USF has crossed that threshold to be a game theory problem at this point. If you run it back, 
no matter what, you haven't looked in the other the other door. You haven't taken what's beside the other place, and you kind of know what you're getting. And unfortunately, because of that, it, it becomes a financial issue. Because how do you go out to somebody with nine figures that lives in Hillsborough County and say, "Hey, you should really invest in USF football." Oh well, we were four and eight last year, and we're running the same coach back. But we're really excited about these this kid from Valdosta, Georgia. Oh, You're my question have a map is, to try the, and raise money? What's the difference for like? I mean, I guess there's some difference of you. You just said yourself the number one priority is the indoor practice facility, and then you also said that a new coach coming in is going to go two and ten next year. So yeah. So you're going to get no indoor practice facility, and then you're going to have a coach going two and ten. Now where's the money coming from? Is it just because it's a new guy? Everyone's going to be happy. I think, unfortunately, and this is not fair and right, but change for the sake of change in college football is good. And then also with that hire, you need to get someone that is much more community activated, somebody that's showing up at a Kiwanis club, somebody that's showing up at a greater Tampa Chamber of Commerce meeting. Somebody that is outreached into this community, trying understanding that you have to sell this product to this city. It doesn't come turnkey. You go to Austin, Texas, and you walk in, you're the head coach of Texas. People are falling all over themselves to meet you, greet you, and give you money. That is never going to be the case at the University of South Florida. That's just not who we are, what we do. Never going to be that way. You have to find a level of community engagement that this program has sorely, sorely lacked from the head coach's office for the last. I mean, honestly, like, you know, it wasn't just, you know, Willie. Willie was certainly a little more community engaged, I think, than Charlie, um, but not enough. You know, we've never really had somebody that's, you know, look at what PJ Flex done at Minnesota. He's at every, you know, if you've got the Shriners Club out there, you got PJ Fleck out there, and that's how he's built that you know, into the community. That's what USF needs, except they need on a smaller scale and they need somebody to bring money in the door. And uh, their uh, super nice football facility doesn't hurt as well. Absolutely not. No, for sure. I mean, but like, how'd that get built? You know what I mean? And they also have a, you know, a really good, that was built you know, before it's an outdoor Fleck, stadium, though. but it's a stadium. But it's built before Fleck. He got fired and they brought in Fleck. Was that, who was that? Was that Kill? Was that Jerry Kill that was there? And then, or the dude before, yeah, it was, was Jerry it? Kill. And then, um, was it the guy with the, was it the Dilly Bar guy that, uh, the guy that was eating ice cream on the sideline? Didn't he take over after Dill or after Kill? I had to resign. Oh, and it was like freezing cold. Yeah, he was eating ice cream on the sideline. I think it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over there. yeah, yeah, yeah. He got fired. Um, then he got fired. And after, after the facility was built, he got fired. And then BJ Flint came in and they're doing really well now. So, yep. here's, here's, uh, here's my last argument, and then we can move on to like other shit. Um, I, and of course, feel free to disagree with me. Like I want the decision to be made about USF football and what we should do should be independent of whatever happens on Saturday or Friday. Um, it, I, if we win on Friday, I don't think it makes, I mean, I understand momentum is important and I just said that, but like you either have a, you either have a program that needs to be blown up and torn apart and a one single sample size game shouldn't make a difference here, win or lose. I don't care if we win or make the decision before the game and go into it knowing no matter what happens, that's the decision. Fair? 
Um, you know, in a vacuum, you're probably right. Uh, but fans are irrational, and sometimes decisions can be irrational as well. I think if USF somehow, some way wins this game, Charlie's going to be here regardless. Um, but you know, it's you know the recency bias. You beat your rival in a, in a game that you're supposed to lose by at least twenty five. There's going to be, well, he finally did it. He beat his rival. There's going to be momentum. Let's bring him back. Let's let him get his shot. It, there's That's going to be a real thing that, uh, you know, Michael Kelly may have to tune out and kind of figure out the entire picture. And I think if he does pull the trigger and still fire him after a win against UCF, people are going to be like, uh, what the hell is Michael Kelly doing? because they can't see the the forest through the trees or force the trees through the forest, whatever that phrase is, they can't process. see it. It's not about outcome. It's about process. If your process is good, I, I oh, Colin, you're preaching to the choir, man. Uh, and I, I know I had this, like, I know I am. I, I, I had this conversation on right now. I know Twitter yesterday. You know, someone was like, well, the results are bad. Well, you know, if you watch the film room, you see that they're, they're, the process is there. The results are bad. The but if you have bad process and you are still, if you have bad process and you're getting good results, that is unsustainable. And that was, la- that was last year, right? That per- that I mean, first, basically, that was 2017. 2017, that was the first, they were 11 seven. Like dog shit process. The process was horrible and they were still 11. And then, like, the first seven games of last year was kind of. Yeah. Bad process, good results, right? So, oh, and then seven and oh. were we not seven and zero? Oh? Well, since then we are what six, plus six, mm, and four, and thir- four and seven. We're four, four and thirteen. 13. Yeah, four and thirteen since. Were we not seven and zero? Oh? Yeah, we're four and thirteen since, Charlie. Now what? Um, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to address that when it comes. And you know, I mean, I was I was on the Charlie hype train the entire off season. Uh, you know. We had the Ryan is always right episode because I was just so dead wrong about this. We're going to have to figure out how to navigate this. And if Charlie's back next year, I mean, uh, I I was on the uh, black and gold banneret podcast uh, earlier tonight and we were discussing, you know, the same kind of thing. And I said, I think if Charlie's back, 70% of the fans are kind of mad about it. I think I think that's kind of where it is. Um, it well, may be on. more I action. I, you guys can see this, but we're on video right now. So, like, here I'm going to show you. I'm on the Action Network app right now, which is on my phone. And actually, that 70% is wrong. Actually, it's 88% over. Okay, so like the line is set at 88%, Nate, and it's like right here, and I have it in black and white. Come on, man! Like people are going to be furious. Let's not. Send out renewals. You're gonna send out. You're gonna get the same people that have been there since 1997. You're gonna get some new graduates that just have created part of a culture. Okay, that not the olds, but like the middles. You know, little that that like Gen X millennial bubble. You'll get some of them. Everybody else is gonna tell you to go fuck yourself. I I definitely agree. We're gonna need to figure something out. And what's how what's the difference in season ticket renewals if he's if he's if he stays on or if he's fired? What's the real difference? Man, I don't know. But it's a twenty to thirty percent. 
Maybe more. I might take the over. I might take the over. What do you mean? I mean, USF, how, USF doesn't have many season tickets to begin with. Yeah, it's, it's, it's five figures, but it's not it's not over fifteen thousand, and um, it's yeah, you're taking a you're taking a chunk, a, a serious serious chunk, and and I don't know. <laughs> I understand there's like two point five million dollars like per year that needs to be doled out here. This is why I feel like the university needs to treat this like the crisis that it is. Understand that they hired bad people that made bad decisions for years and years and years. The people that are here now did not make those decisions, but they need to be bailed out of those decisions because you're just going to create this cloud that hangs over this program perpetually. And you're going to lose all the goodwill. You're going to end up as like this Rutgers morass. Like, look at Rutgers right now. They don't hire a dipshit for for eight years and $32 million, and their fans are furious right now because they thought that was their only way out of the problem. You know, and, and they just have no faith in the program, and they're, you know, they're screaming bloody murder to every media outlet in Jersey. I don't know if you guys are following that right now, but it's really bad. Like, I, I don't want USF to ever be in that position. So, like, if you're going to bail out, now's the time to bail out. Give these people some resources that they need to get out and make the decisions that they've made. There are more Iron Bull donors to this program than there ever have been in the history of this program. I was there in 2007 in that exact department, and we had really good numbers in that. The fact that there are more people donating $10,000 or more a year to USF Athletics annually now than there were in 2007 when we were on national TV and beating West Virginia and Auburn is a testament to the hard work of the dedication of the people that are in this department now. That's great. They need more support. They need more internal. It's the only way we're getting out of this. So, like, all right, we, we've rehashed this enough. Um, here Let me do some, now. like, real, like, football football news real quick on some no, injury okay. updates. Sure. Start here. We did intro. We did monster. We did Memphis recap. Did we do injuries yet? No, I'm, I'm about to do injuries. I okay. figured we should do it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, as previously mentioned, Bronk and Sands are both out um, for this game. Uh, Donovan Jennings should be back. Uh, he just re-aggravated his ankle injury. Couldn't really... Go. Um, Not a particular Jordan film room for Mr. Jennings that we did previously before you got here, Nate. Yeah, he he was hurt. Um, he's still the he's sadly he's still the best option by a good margin. Thanks, poor kid. Um, Jordan McLeod's been dealing with a thumb injury for the last six weeks, and that kind of jives with. Uh, you know, not being able to grip the ball and throw it downfield with some velocity and zip and accurately. So that kind of makes sense. Um, you know, there's always coach speak and, and whatnot, but I don't think Kerwin Bell um, is, a, is a bullshitter. I think he kind of tells it as it is. Uh, sometimes, like, Tr- Charlie sometimes has a tendency to do that as well, um, but he, he'll cash himself sometimes. But I think Kerwin's telling the truth there. He was on a, a – 95.3 uh, today, speaking to the guys there. So uh, good insight. Um, Jeremiah Stafford is no longer with the program. He's in the – I shouldn't say he's no longer with the program. He's in the transfer portal. That's all we know for sure. Um, he kind of, That kind of popped up today. Um, I noticed a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, this person's in the transfer portal. I was like, you know what? I haven't checked USF's in a while. Let's, let's take a gander and lo and behold. There he is. Uh, Jeremiah Stafford was one of three 
left tackle she used against Temple that uh, still allowed nine sacks. Um, he came in for like a series and a half and then got yanked. I think he got beat twice, got yanked, and uh, Hopple went back in there. Uh, and I, I knew it was. Like I knew it sack. was. Uh... I knew it was bad when I asked you who who's seventy one and you didn't know. <laughs> anytime, yeah. anytime you don't know who somebody is, I'm like, oh no, we're we're really uh, we're really at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, he was uh, Stafford was one part of that transition class and um, was kicked off the team after the bowl game. It was one of the like two or three that was able to earn his way back onto the team uh, this off season. Didn't work out here for him, unfortunately. Best of luck to him and hope he. Uh, graduates and has find success um, wherever he goes. Um, real quick, former quarterback Brett Keens, Charlotte 49ers, bowl eligible for the first time ever, I think, or in a very long time. Um, I think Will Healy never. is uh, Will Healy's kind of turned that program around, so good for him. Uh, Chris Ladokin's kind of split time at Samford. They got walloped by Auburn last week. Um, but Chris had a pretty good year. Uh, one player of the week, the FCS player of the week, I think twice. <sighs> Would be nice to have him. Duran Bell's doing really well at Alabama State. Um, D'Angelo Antoine uh, had that 10 catch, uh, 200 yard, four touchdown game a few weeks ago. Would be nice to have these speedsters, I'll tell you what, because that's what they're lacking. So it's. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. Um, is there anything else? I mean, this game, uh, Gabe Davis, uh, Dylan Gabriel, Otis Anderson, Adrian Killens, they're just going to run all over us. I think there's really no stopping stopping them. you got to outscore them. <laughs> oh, yikes. All right, so they they uh they do have some like trends in their losses. This is kind of like the formula to beat them, um, which is I mean, and you got to hit all of them. Um, and this will be in my preview the exact numbers, but the in their losses that I I think they're really as much as they can throw the ball, they're really a run first team. They run the ball more often than they throw. They do a lot of uh, play action and RPO stuff in the passing game, so they kind of use their run game to set up. Uh, the past game in their losses, they're averaging like around three yards a carry, and in their wins, it's like 5.7, 5.8, something like that. So, if you can hold them down in the run game a little bit, um, that's going to help. The other big thing is in their losses, so that then their three losses, they're minus seven in the in turnover margin. Uh, in their wins, they're plus six, so they're negative, they're minus one on the season. But so you got to, so you're gonna have to stop the run. Turn them over, and then they are going to move the ball. It's not they're not you're not going to shut them out. But when they get in the red zone, uh, in their wins they score 84 percent of the time. In losses, it's like 73 percent. And then the touchdown percentage in wins, the touchdowns in the red zone is they score touchdowns 70 percent of the time, and in losses it's only 40 percent of the time. So if you go back and look at um, why was the Two lane games so close. Well, they had to kick a lot of field goals. They they got a lot of yards. They get in the red zone, but they had to kick field goals. So you're going to have to kind of bend but don't break to slow them down. You're probably not. You're not going to stop them. But if you can kind of get some turnovers, um, you know, stop them. If they get in the red zone, hold them to field goals. That's going to give you your best chance to win. And then if you can hold down the run game, that'll kind of 
uh, that's kind of the formula to beat them. Now, it's, it still might not be enough because you're going to have to score on their defense, which is pretty good, but that's kind of the formula to beat them. That's what's kind of happened in all their losses. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. Um, I'll be there covering the game. Gabe Davis is really good. Adrian Killens has terrified me for years now. Um, Gabriel makes mistakes. He's a freshman. He's not, you know, stud, whatever. Their defense definitely has availabilities, you know. Um, There are definitely places that you can put the ball, you know, and I, I don't think their front four is, like, amazing by any stretch. Do you agree with that, Seth? Like, they're not, you know... It's not like you're dealing with like four down linemen. They're going to put the hand on the ground and be in your quarterback's no, they're, kitchen they're in like more, a second. I think they're more athletic, you know, athletic, not huge. Uh, they'll move and do some stuff. I'm still kind of watching them a little bit. But they, I mean, like Tulsa, and Tulsa was able to move the ball on them pretty good and score a few points on them. And Tulsa's like, a, their offense is worse than USF's in yard per play for the season. So they have. Um, they're really good defensively yards per play. They're top 10 or top 12 in the country, but they've also played a lot of really, really bad offenses, uh, worse than USF's in the yards per play rankings, at least three or four of them. So, and, and they gave up some points to those teams. So, you know, they're not, they're not an unbelievable juggernaut on defense. They're, they're good. They're athletic. Uh, they play downhill, but they're not, uh, this is not like Wisconsin or the 85 Bears coming into here. Now for sure. All right. So I, I don't know. It's a, the old rivalry game thing. And that's a, like a legitimate gambling trend, by the way, that it opened 24 and a half at Sursa, which is, which sorry, I don't know if it's Sursa or Circa, but there's like a new book in Vegas. That's like opening lines earlier than anybody. They opened 24 and a half it's down to 23 right now. Um, 96% of the money is on the over, which is 63, which is weird to me that like all of this money is coming in on the over in this game, which I don't really see. Cause I don't think either of these offenses is like, you know, I guess, you know, UCF's offense is certainly better than USF's, but um, yeah, I don't, it's a big number. And the fact that all that money's coming in, that's, that's kind of strange, but um, it's down to 23 right now, which means uh, people are starting to bang it back on the bulls. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Obviously not holding out a lot of hope here for anything miraculous to happen, but you know, maybe if USF can find a way to get an injured player back or two, things might go better. I agree. Um, I think that's kind of it. Um, oh boy. Uh, real quick. Uh, I don't know if we recorded a podcast after the Baylor game, uh, women's basketball, uh, almost beat Baylor. I think we can say that, right? They almost beat Baylor. I mean, they lost by 12, but it was a close game. I think they were within like three or four uh, in the fourth quarter, and it just kind of got away from them there. This team's going to be really, really, really yeah. well. Um, Baylor's been beating you guys teams by 70-plus. Yeah. No, it was on ESPN+. Plus. V- Vito and I covered it extensively. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> well, um, I did uh, yeah. watch it. They're they're really good and it's not crap. And um this is a legitimate top ten, top fifteen type basketball team. Um I'm gonna float it. I I've been always reticent to do this. I don't think I've ever done this publicly. Um they're gonna get UConn three times this year. There's gonna be one where we're sweating in the fourth quarter. 
I don't know if they get it done. I don't know if they get over the hump or whatever. But there's going to be an under five timeout in a fourth quarter against UConn, and we're going to be like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. It's going to happen this year. Like, there's going to be a game late. Um, yep. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be here or there or at the tournament. Like, but it's it's going to happen. This is a really, really, really good basketball team. Yeah. And the, um, the fact that they're playing babies out there, it's not just that they're good. It's that they're running children out there. These kids can't vote. None of them are American anyway, but even if they were, <laughs> like, they're just unbelievable. And the polish and the skill, the way that they play together, I, I man, you, you I may I might have made fun of you Nate earlier this season when I and when you were like this is Jose's best team and I'm like all right slow down princess um but I man you know what this this might be Jose's best team in 20 years which is I'm almost positive it's his best team if everyone stays healthy no. dude they have they have four legitimate front court players who can run, like they can do it all like Shay Leverett had a, a double double on Sunday I mean it was against St. Francis but she's I would say they she's probably Saint the Francis the, to 23 points. This is a team that, that, that that's not exactly known for like their defensive prowess. 23 goddamn points. They had one field goal for what 30 minutes? They yeah, they didn't have 30 minutes. That's insane. It's well, insane. Last week, it's, last week, Vito and I called the defense suffocating. You guys, that's that's good work by you. <laughs> that's that's top notch work right there, brother. We were uh. called. <laughs> Um, by the way, of course, the day after the Tulane or the the Baylor game, um, Elena Tzinki, uh the the uh, NCAA clears. Of course, the day after we meet her. By the way, let's not forget the fact that the men's basketball team is going to be the first one to face James Wiseman after his NCAA suspension because everything works out great for USF. Our women's soccer team, that is like the best team we've ever had, runs into the defending national champions in a because their seating is horrendous and whatever. Um, but that's just how USF rolls. So Tzinki, who might be the best player on the team, legitimately. She's Greek, right? Yeah. And she might be their best player, and they just got her. So she didn't start, but she played 20 minutes against St. Francis. Um, 13 points. At 13 rebound. points. No, 13 points. Her first college game ever. Came off the bench. And Buckets. Came, you know, like, Buckets. Brock, I'm yeah. so she pumped. Averaged, uh, she averaged 21 for her national team. Just, yeah, she has a twin sister at ECU. Yeah, look at look at Seth. Look at Seth being the basketball guy now. V- God, Vito and I had like converted. five tabs open a piece. Yeah, we were. <laughs> I, I had Good, I'm proud of you guys. Tabs, but we, yeah, we we were into the basketball. We we got in there. Good. Um, so the the women head down to uh, what Cancun. Um, I think they're there. What uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or something. So they'll, they play. Uh, they'll be playing Notre Dame. Uh, the that final game of that uh, Cancun tournament. That's going to be another tough test for this team. Bring that's it, still super talented. Bring it, Muffet. Hey, let's go. You know what? No fear, no body, anywhere, anytime. I'm not even kidding. Like I saw Muffet McGraw beat Gene Orlini in the Final Four last year and lose national championship game to a, a like a Baylor team that's just you know, ridiculous and huge and whatever. And Baylor got a lot of calls that I, I, I thought Baylor got a lot of calls, but it's hard to tell when you're on TV. Um, there ain't no reason. And especially with Ari K no longer at Notre Dame. Cause she graduated. Thank God. 
There's no. I'm very nervous about Oregon. If we ever come up against Oregon, Sabrina's going to drop fifty. Yeah, Ionescu is insane. Like she, she was the best player in the Final Four last year, even though she didn't play in the final game. Um, she was the best player on that floor. Like not even close. She just had no teammates, like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but we. So but Notre Dame doesn't have RK anymore, and I don't see any reason why we can't hang with them. This team can beat anybody on any given night. They can beat somebody. And I'm, is that the first USF team that you can say that about, like, ever? Like, they can beat anyone on any, like, legitimately, like, even Kenny's best team, like, got rocked by Oklahoma in the College World Series. You know? Like, this could be the first USF team in any sport where you go, okay, on this specific day, they can beat anyone. Women's golf in 87 finished, like, fourth in the country. That's about all I got. Men's men's golf in 2016, maybe the, the their match play with Rome was 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 pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think the team sport. I think this may be one of those, maybe one of a, the the pantheon teams um, for sure. And then and, you know quickly, uh, men's basketball got run out of the gym by New Mexico State to uh, Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday, they got ran out of the gym on Tuesday. Um, the bench was out at one point. It was thirty to nothing. Uh, bench first bench uh, for New Mexico State. USF I think scored twelve bench points. Uh, you know, in the second half when it didn't really matter, they got to figure it. They got to figure it out. They need to figure out their bench. Um, they need to knock down some shots. For the love of God, I think they shot like thirty one percent. And you know, it, New Mexico State just bombed him from downtown. So, so I obviously haven't seen either of the two games that are in the Caribbean right now. Um, is that even considered? No one's Caribbean? paying for Flow Sports ever. Nobody's, nobody's paying. One, I, I, I'd be at work. I can't watch it anyway. But like, um, if if you're not paying for Flow Sports, like even like I, I watched the last two games at home. Um, are we? I think they've got players. They can run three out and four out on people, and that's fine. But somebody between the the combination of Michael Durr and BJ Mack needs to get like a lot better really quickly if this team's going to be able to compete in in conference play. They're a donut right now. I think they've got enough skill players on the outside, and like you know, you can cover up from your stakes in the middle. But like as soon as the ball goes into the post by an opposition by anybody in opposition, they can just you know lay it in. They're not seeing a lot of resistance at the rim. Nobody can protect the rim on this team. And even if you can't score from that, like in college basketball, if you have somebody who can protect the rim and not necessarily score, that's okay because you can just shoot threes over their head, you know, from 21 feet away. You know, it's a layup at this point. These kids are so good in, in the way that college basketball has changed. You can beat people just shooting threes and protecting the rim, but USF right now can't protect the rim at all. And that is a crisis problem and something that's going to need to get solved. So, but somewhere between Michael Derby, J Mac, or if there's a seven foot three kid on campus with like really long arms who would like to try out for the basketball team, we need somebody quickly who can help on the block or else it, yep. it might not be the season that we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. And then very, very, very last thing. And then we got to go. Um, thank you. Women's soccer. Uh, you guys were fantastic. You beat literally. You beat every single team that beat you except for, I think it was like Providence or Pepperdine or something, and they got knocked out of the tournament before you could even attempt to beat them. Um, 
just everyone VN's VN was magical this year. I think she finished with twenty four goals on the season, um, shattered every USF soccer record. Uh, she is the best athlete in USF history, bar none. There's no one but her. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump. Hold on, I'm gonna jump in the grave here. I hate making these judgments now. John Dennis won two national championships in in the three thousand meters individually. Michelle Scarborough for our rifle team that no longer exists won two national championships by herself. So if we're gonna pare it down, we gotta pare it down to the team sports. But if you go to the team sports, I think it's like Courtney. Maybe Charlie Bradley, Sarah Evans, Mo Triner, and and I would probably at this point put Evelyn ahead of all of them. Um, I think her only true know, competition I, is Quentin Flowers. If we're being perfect, yeah, and 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 Quentin's got to Quentin's got to be in that conversation for sure too. Um, but, but what Evelyn the difference did, is that the Quentin never won a conference championship, and, and Evelyn won two. And, uh, and that well. Helps. Pick that up t- with uh, Raymond Woody. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so it's. I remember going to a game um, when she was a freshman, and I was still doing Nate's job. And I went, "Holy shit, that girl's amazing! Why is she on the field with these people? Like, she looked like. I mean, she was just so much better than everybody that she was on the field with. It, it, it looked ridiculous out there." Um, it looked like one of those like UConn women's basketball teams when they have like you know it was look it should look like Dinah Taurasi playing against like St. Francis you know what I mean it was like mm-hmm. insane and um, I think you've got to put her in the conversation at this point as maybe the best athlete I've ever seen that game was brutal you know it just they couldn't get the ball to her like in any position and and just give credit to Florida State man um, the state's ability to possess and skill was ridiculous. USF took three times as many fouls. You know, you can argue about fouls. God knows our fans did. And, and, and considering our assistant coach got a yellow card, it was certainly clear that our bench wasn't happy with the way the game was officiated. But if you watch the game on the merits, FSU was just a skill level above, and they just couldn't get Evelyn the ball at all. She had two opportunities. She banged one off a post. Like, she went near post in a spot where you're never supposed to go near post, and she had the keeper smoked and like three inches to the right and the ball's in. Um, and and, and I think it sucks the, to go out. What? Yeah, and it, you were saying it, sucks, it definitely sucks to go out like that. Um, right. I think that the goal right before halftime was the backbreaker. I think there was like 50 yeah. seconds left for yep. half, and Florida State ties it up. And it, it's it's really tough to go into the locker room and try to regroup and go from there. And I think – think you saw kind of what happened um but i mean they're the defending national champions for a reason they're really really good and if, you know, if we're the university of like south texas or the university of like new mexico or the university of montana with that talent and we don't have to play the defending national champions in the sweet 16 maybe we're a final four team yeah you know, it just depends for on sure it. especially because we didn't get seeded which is horseshit too that this team didn't get seeded and had to go on the road and go beat florida in the first round which was a because they were the better team than florida they were a better team, you know, despite the fact of losing the regular season. They smoked them on their home field. That game on record, on RPI, on whatever merit, that game should have been in Corbett. It's a joke that it wasn't. The NCAA can go to hell. Um, yep. 
but the, if they're in any if any of the other three quadrants, maybe they can find a way to get through. I don't know, but man, yeah. Florida State, that girl, um, the striker for Florida State, whose name escapes me right now, holy Christ, that girl's just as good as, as Evelyn. She's amazing. And they just had a, a better overall team that just was able to possess the ball and kick it around on the grass all day and keep it on the turf. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, possession was probably two to one for Florida State. So God bless them. But that shouldn't take away anything from Evelyn, who was unbelievable. Just amazing. Amazing player. And it sucked. And by the way, the Herman Award list comes out today. 15 players were on it to possibly win, which is basically the Heisman Trophy for women's soccer. And she's not on the list. Hey, assholes, pay attention. Like, that's a joke. Like, what? On God's name, are you watching? Look at the numbers. Look at the talent that she's played. Look how she's carried this team. Five goals in the NCAA tournament. Just eat it. Like, that's a joke. It's a joke that she's not on that list. If there are 15 better soccer players in this country, I'll jump off the freaking Skyway Bridge. That's horseshit. Sorry. <laughs> it's a joke. It's not. There's just not. Like, that's insane. Yeah. So, All right. you know what? We've... sucks that you're not paying attention. Go to hell. We've rambled. All right. <clears throat> the final question of the night. I just want your answer, and then we're going to say goodnight and go Bulls, and that is it. All right? Colin, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side? Mac and cheese, go Bulls. Seth. Yeah. I, ditto. Mac and cheese, okay. go Bulls. Mine is my mother-in-law's. Broccoli and cheddar casserole. Broccoli and cheese casserole. It's fantastic. Go Bulls. Thank you to Matrix Hormones. Thank you for listening to the Bluminati podcast all season long. Uh, Hit them up at 813-333-2226. Go Bulls.